What is up, people? Welcome back to the latest episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. My name is Jack Feldman, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Rome Katie of the House of Ballers podcast. Rome, how you doing, my man? I'm good. Let's get right into it, man. Let's not waste any of our uh, let's not waste any of our time. Let's just get right into it, bro. I'm ready for it. Gonna get right into it, and let's start off, Rome. Just tell the people a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your fandom, what teams you root for. What has been your sports experience growing up through the years? Um, well, of course, I'm from Katie. I'm 17 years old. I'm from New York City. Uh, I'm originally from Arizona. I lived there for about five years, and then I came here. Um, so, yeah, my, my sports fandom has been between those two places, New York and Arizona. For baseball, I'm Yankees and D-backs, more Yankees, because my dad turns on Yankees games literally every night. And, like, I just showed Jack off camera that I got this Jeter stuff here, and I got – a blueprint of the old Yankee stadium that my grandpa gave me. So it's, it's, it's a lineage in terms of like diehard Yankee fans here. So it's, it has to be in the, in the chances for me. And then I have D-backs because obviously Arizona for football, I'm a big Arizona Cardinals fan. I used to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. If you were, if you know me for like the past like couple years before that, I was a Cowboys fan. And now I'm a Cardinals fan because of Arizona, of course, uh, for basketball, I'm a Phoenix Suns fan. Jack, of course, you would know because I was I was talking about the Suns during the finals at camp. Big Suns guy. Yeah, I'm a big Suns fan. So I I, I I try and do the best I can with the Suns. And then I'm not I'm not as big of a hockey fan as other people, but like casually, I'm I'm Coyotes, obviously, because Arizona. And then yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, I've just I've loved sports since I was like 10 or 11, and I've always gravitated toward it. I've always watched like Sports Center every single morning. Like that's always like my cup of coffee every morning, basically. So, yeah, that, that's kind of been my sports experience over the last 17 years. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. So I was born in New York. All my family is from New York. So I'm diehard Yankees fan, diehard Knicks fan, diehard Giants fan. But living right, side, right outside of D.C., I always keep paying attention to the D.C. teams. A lot of my friends are Nationals fans and Washington football team fans. So I always, you know, hold them a little bit closer in my heart than other teams, even though I wouldn't, I'm not rooting for them per se, but you got a lot to talk about. We got the MLB off season, we got football and let's start off with the off season. So some deals have already gone down. We saw the Tigers sign Eduardo Rodriguez, Justin Verlander went to the Astros, but let's start off with Noah Syndergaard being from New York. He went to the Angels one year, $21 million. What were your thoughts when you saw that across your screen? Um, I thought it was very interesting because my friend, one of my friends is a big Mets fan. And he was just like, oh, my God, like it ruined my entire day because it just ruined the whole plan of Syndergaard returning to the Mets. But I mean, I feel like this might be good. I mean, this is like a W for the Angels, in my opinion, at least, because they've they've always been in the mix for like this, those big fishes in the waters, I call it during around this time. And like for Garrett Cole, all like all those all those big pitchers, Steven Strasburg, whatever else, and they just never seem to like get that one guy that's going to shape it in terms of the pitching side. And I really feel like the Angels got a good got a good guy in Noah Syndergaard. Like I've watched Draft Night Mark on YouTube. He said that like I like the risk, and I agree with him because there of course is risk involved because there's injury that he's in, injury history that he's had in the past. 
But I mean, if he's if he strings together anything like he's been in the past when he's healthy, like he could be a really scary pitcher for this Angels team. And if they start stringing together like a Marcus Stroman signing or whoever else is up, whoever else is on the pitching market, like Robbie Ray or whoever else, if they string together a decent rotation going into this year, like the, and if Mike Trout, Otani, and Rendon go off this year, and then if they re-sign Rice Iglesias, which I'm which I'm sure they might, but I don't know yet. We'll see, we'll see where the Angels go. I mean, they're a very, very, very intriguing team to look out for. So we'll see what happens with them. I'm they're intrigued. such an intriguing team because they have the best player in baseball in Trout, possibly the most entertaining player in baseball in Otani, and mm-hmm. they just haven't been able to make the playoffs. They got Rendon. Yeah. He's going to be healthy next year. He he was just an incredible player to watch in D.C. He was unbelievable, him and Soto. So I'm excited to see him back healthy, but – if they can just get mediocre pitching, they're going to have a chance to make yeah. the playoffs because that's how good their lineup can be. Yeah. And the Syndergaard deal, yes, it's a lot of money for someone coming off a of TJ, but it's only a one-year deal. If it doesn't work out, it's not too much of a big deal per se, yeah. but he's a guy that when he's healthy and he's right, he's a game changer. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. Like, if, of course, the contract's really small too because like you said, like after one year, if it doesn't work, then you can just hop back out to the Mets or – whatever else signs him at this point. Justin Verlander is another guy, sort of a similar deal, you know, coming off a of TJ, looking for that one-year deal. And he got a one-year deal with a player option for a second-year deal, $25 million to the Astros. Yeah, I, I honestly, it was very, it, like his, his talk was like very out there. Like a lot of different teams were on him. He was like East Coast team, Florida, whatever. He had those like guidelines and all that stuff and then went to back to the Astros. So I was like, that like if you if you follow me on the Instagram account House of Bars by the way I was just like it's kind of all for nothing at the end of the day because that all that talk about going to another team oh we had that showcase where he was ripping off like ninety seven mile an hour pitches like it was it was just kind of all this buzz and then it was like oh okay he's going back to the Astros so I mean that that's fine I mean that I mean the Astros are gonna they're gonna probably be good again because they're just the Astros for some reason even without the scandal or or even with or without it but it's just like. I mean, I mean, Verlander would be a good spot for them at this point, but we'll see what happens with them. Like, it seemed like everybody in the baseball world thought that Verlander was going to end up on the Yankees. We heard the East Coast rumors. He was working out at Eric Cressy's place, you know, all these things. And he ends up going to Houston, which, you know, calling Houston the East Coast is a little bit generous, got to say, <laughs> but it makes sense for both sides, I guess. I mean, yeah. I heard that the Yankees offered him one year, 25 mil, but they wouldn't give him the second year. And it's a little ludicrous for a guy coming off of TJ to give, give him $25 million for multiple years. If you're, if you're the Astros, they can't control whether he accepts the player option. So it's a lot. Let's get in now to some more Yankee-specific talk. Rome, a lot of rumors swirling about Matt Olson. I'm sure you're up to date on all those. What have been your thoughts the past couple of days when you're hearing about these? I, I honestly really like the fact that the Yankees are, are going after Olsen. I mean, then again, though, it's kind of that same generic kind of player that the rest of the Yankees have, excuse me, with guys like Judge and Stan. But Olsen's not really, I mean, as, to, as far as I'm concerned, like I think Olsen's not really that big of a strikeout guy. I'm more of a home run guy and put a ball in play kind of guy. So, and so if they can get him, like, I feel like he's a better, younger version of Anthony Rizzo, basically. So 
I mean, it doesn't matter whether you re-sign Rizzo or, or trade for Olsen. It's basically you're getting kind of the same player, just that Olsen's a little bit better, a little bit younger, a little bit more lively, kind of get he, – he, and, and honestly, if he, if, he's, if he does come to the Yankees, he'll definitely, like, be shooting for upper deck and right. Like a oh, thousand, yeah. perfect, perfect stadium. stadium. Like, I, it's perfect stadium for him because he's a pole hitter, too, because he can just shoot them right out of the stadium. I mean, some some home runs might go to the third deck for him. Like, the last third, third deck home run that I can remember at the stadium was, like, Kendrys Morales back at, like, 2019 or something like that. And Those like were some he, good he, times. Kendrys yeah, Morales. Sure. <laughs> That's a name. But like that, yeah, but, like, for Olsen, I think he could hit, like, five of them third deck. Like, that's how much power he oh, has. yeah. And on the defensive side too, you get a guy who's just gonna stab it at first, can like lay out, make make great plays, make turn double plays from first. And like, that's what Rizzo, and that's what Rizzo basically he woke all the Yankee fans up because over the past couple of years, we've had Voy at first, we've had Greg Bird, we've had, you know, whoever who, you know, offensively Voight was amazing in 2020, but mm-hmm. defensively, just no bueno. And yeah. Having a guy like Rizzo, it just wakes you up to the fact of what an elite defensive first baseman can do. That yeah. play he made where Velasquez threw it in the dirt and Rizzo picked it to win the game, just stuff like that. Olsen yeah. is one of the only players, if not the only first baseman in the league, that is actually better than Rizzo defensively. He's yeah. younger, like you said. Stadium's just built for him. What's not to like? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Like. I, I, I really feel like that would be a very attractive target for him. But, like, the A's just came out with a report that said that, like, oh, we're going to shoot for the moon with them. We're going to try and get as much as we can. Because I, I, I said in my podcast today, which is out right now, um, that, like, the A's, like, I, I think with the fact that Bob Melvin left for the Padres, that, like, their rebuild is going to start now where every, every one of their star players is just going to leave. Because, like, it's obvious that they're not going to win a championship in the next couple of years. I mean, they're a good team, don't get me wrong, with Olsen Chapman. Montas and like Minaya and Bassett, whatever, whatever else, but it's clear that they're not going to win a championship anytime soon. So to get those guys to contending teams that are like on the cusp of winning a championship is important for like a guy like Olsen trying to just take his talent to the biggest stage in the world in baseball world. It's the cycle of being in Oakland. A you get brought up, you get to your peak and you get traded. That's what they do. That's what they've always done. The thing that worries me about Olsen. And if you ask me, even yesterday, I would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that at some point this offseason, I'm 100% certain they're trading Olsen. I would be surprised if the Yankees did not, were not the beneficiaries of the trade. But the report that came out that said the Oakland A's asking price is astronomical, that worries me because two things can happen. One, it can be a smokescreen. And later in the offseason, the A's are going to get impatient and trade them and lower the asking price, which very well could be the case. But yeah. if they do really want an Anthony Volpe, a Jason Dominguez, and Oswald Peraza, like if they want like two elite prospects from the Yankees, when was the last time Brian Cashman gave up like an elite prospect other yeah. than maybe like at the time Justice Sheffield was a yeah. pretty elite prospect, but Brian Cashman really doesn't trade many prospects. We saw it with the Joey Gallo deal. Like, you didn't trade anyone for that, really. Same thing with the Rizzo deal. Yeah, I was just about to say, I was like, Cashman's kind of that prospect hugger that's, like, trying to keep his, like, core talent together without, like, overcompensating too much, which is actually kind of smart. Because, it, because like, if you trade for – if you're able to, like, get a bargain for a kind of guy like Olsen or Rizzo or Gallo, like you mentioned – 
like that that's that still has time for guys to come up and succeed like Dominguez and Volpe and Oswaldo Peraza or whatever else. So I mean we'll see what happens with it. Like I'm intrigued to see how the rest of this offseason goes down for the Yankees. Like, I mean, I just I know we're gonna talk about this later, but the fact that like Yankees could get a big shortstop like Correa, Seeger, oh yeah, Seager, whoever else, like it's it's all up to them. So I'm excited to see what Cashman does. Like I, I hope he could pull out something something great for them, but we'll see what happens. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And into let's get into it right now. Shortstop market. Correa, Seeger, Simeon, another guy. What are your thoughts on it? Who do you think they're gonna land? Yeah, and story too. You didn't mention that. Oh story, yeah, story. Story is great. Yeah, and then bias too. Bias. Is so many shorts. That's, like, that's five. Like off There's the so rim, that's five. So it's 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 gonna be like I've heard people say that this is like the deepest short shortstop free agent class ever, and I would definitely agree with that because you're not gonna get much better at the shortstop position than those five because they're easily top five shortstops in the league right now. So like, do do you want me to like say like um. Like, like who they're going to go to or. Yeah. Saying, I mean, who, who do you want? Like if you could have your pick of any of the five, who would you want? Who I want on my team? Honestly, people are going to give me flack for this, but honestly, I'd probably say Correa because of the fact that he's just kind of that like villainous kind of like guy to just kind of crush your hearts out at any time. Like for, uh, for an opposing fan base, like he, like he's, he's on a revenge tour to prove people that he is that dude, even without the scanning. So I, I think it's going to be really important for him to be able to like succeed in this, in this uh, frame of time. And then um, I guess like a guy like Simeon and Seager would be good too for like hitting and fielding and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, this, this shortstop market is going to be insane. Like those guys are going to get a big old payday, whether it comes to like 300 million, 350 million. I mean, it could just keep going up and up and up for this because it's just going to get just, the bag. It's not gonna end. Yeah. It's not going to end. So I'm really excited to see where these guys go and, and wherever they go, they might change their team's future for the next like five, 10 years. Because I think, honestly, I think Trevor's story, I was thinking about this before I came on here. I was thinking like, damn, he could possibly go to like the Rangers, the um, the Tigers. I think he'd go to the Tigers because probably like Correa, I, I don't think the Correa hinge stuff is going to go down, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'm really, I'm really intrigued to see how this shortstop market plays out makes a lot of sense for the Tigers to go out and get one of the big fish. I'm very excited that you agree with me on Correa, that you want the Yankees to get Correa. Because if you're asking me, cheating scandal is old news. Like, I don't really care about it that much. I care about number 28. And the best way to get that next World Series is by signing the best shortstop available. And that's Carlos Correa. Seager... Listen, if we sign Seager, I'm going to be thrilled. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it does yeah. worry me defensively that, you know, we can have him at short for the next two seasons and then we move him to third. And now we're paying possibly 300 million plus for a third baseman. And that, and this is all banking on the fact that Volpe does pan out as that stud shortstop that we think he's going to be. If yeah. we sign Carlos Correa, He's one of the best defensive shortstops in the game, if not the best defensive shortstop. If we do have to move him to third because Volpe's up, he's got an absolute cannon, so he's going to yeah. be an elite defensive third baseman too. Yeah. So it just makes too much sense for both sides. I do think Correa is going to end up being a Yankee, and it's going to make me a very happy man. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so too. But then again, I wouldn't be mad about Seager too. Because you got that lefty bat, and there aren't that many lefty bats in the yes. lineup. 
besides like Rizzo if they re-sign him or maybe if they trade Olsen, but who knows? Uh, I, I just I just think Seager would be a really good get, but my 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 dream, my ideal dream is Correa. But I wouldn't be mad at Seager, Simeon, Story, whoever else. I wouldn't be mad at that either. Ideal, realistic Yankees offseason for me is we make the trade for Matt Olson at first. We sign Correa for shortstop. And this is getting a little greedy, but maybe we get Sterling Marte in center. Because mm. I think the Yankees are going to mm. spend, man. I really do. Mm. You don't go out there and offer a pitcher off of TJ $25 million if you're not planning on getting an elite shortstop and one to two other elite players. That's what they're going to do. How yeah. is opening up the check checkbook? Brian Cashman is going to go Death Star mode, and the Yankees are going to land two to three all-stars. Mark it right here. That's yeah, what's happening. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree with you on the fact that Correa and Ulster are going to be there. I also like the fact that you mentioned selling Marte too, because I honestly, when he got traded from the Mars, the Hayes, I thought he was just going to be one of those guys who just wouldn't produce, but he proved me wrong. He had like a bunch of stolen bases. He bopped a bunch of homers for the A's. I mean, he, I mean, he got them close to a playoff spot or uh, yeah, he got them close to a playoff spot. Um, so, I mean, Sonny Marte, if, if, if he can live up to that production for 162, like that would be huge for any team. And I've heard that the giants are keying on him and that would be a great get for them. But also another team that like, I really think would get a center fielder. If you've been following me on the Instagram, I've mentioned this is Starting uh, is the Astros because I really think that like like in the playoffs we saw that they had this, this, these like carousel of guys like Jose Siri, Jake Myers, I forget the other guys. So there was just like a bunch of different guys in center field during the playoffs. And I really think if you get that kind of stalwart in center that that like Springer was, if you get a guy like Sonny Marte, if you get a guy like Byron, Byron Buxton, like those two guys are going to really be key. For, the, for those Astros is if like Correa resigns or whatever else. But I think, I think if Correa leaves to go to another team, I think that'll free up cap room for the Astros to go out and get like a Marte or Buxton. Wouldn't surprise me at all. If that is what the Astros end up doing. One more thing on the baseball before we head over to the football, I saw this on Twitter and I wanted to share it because it is really fascinating mm -hmm. when you actually think about it. So John Heyman tweeted out a couple of days ago, that the Brewers in 2015, mm -hmm. they had a trade worked out for Zach Wheeler from the Mets. But mm -hmm. then Wilmer Flores was, was, was um, caught on TV look, like when he was notified about the trade and he was just devastated. He was crying. I don't know yeah. if you remember this. And oh, yeah, I definitely so, yeah. so they backed out of the trade. And if you think about the people that were included in this trade, first of all, the Brewers would have got Zach Wheeler. Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires would never have been sent to Houston. And that also means that Josh Hader would never be a brewer. But the craziest thing is if Mike Fires never goes to Houston, do we do we even know about the cheating scandal? Probably not. Oh my God, that is so right. Wow. I mean, that's I insane. Not even think of that. Wow, that is crazy. I mean, I mean, somebody else could have probably been the whistleblower, but still. There's so crazy. many different aspects of that trade that. So many aspects. So six, many. seven years later, it's just extremely important. But let's yeah. get into the football room. We got a big NFL Sunday tomorrow, probably today when you guys are listening to this. Got some good matchups. We got Colts, Bills. That's going to be a good game. Cowboys, Chiefs. We got some good games. You got Giants, Bucks, Monday Night Football. What games? Do you have your eye on? 
I like I've been thinking about this for a while. I think Bengals Raiders is going to be a big game too because both those teams are really good. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are getting that connection like revamped from LSU days. And the way that the Bengals have played, even though uh, their past seven games or seven or eight games, they played really well. But it's just the last two games they haven't been playing too well. So I think that bye week was really crucial for them to get that rest up and get a uh, recalibrate and be like, okay, time to reset for a Raiders team. A Raiders team that's really good, by the way, even though they got demolished by the Chiefs on Sunday night, they like the Raiders are a really good team this year. And I did not think that. I thought they were gonna be like two, 13 and one. I had no promise for the Raiders like whatsoever. So I, I'm even surprised myself to see the Raiders doing this well. So I think it's going to be very fun. And it's going to be in Vegas, of course. So you know it's going to be a show at Allegiant Stadium. So I think I think it's going to be a good game on that front. I will be tuned into that game. I have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on my fantasy team. So they've been carrying me all year. Hopefully they can carry me a couple more weeks. But you're really right about the Raiders. Nobody expected them to be anything more then at best, a league average, slightly above average team. And ever since the first week of the season where they came out and they, they got that incredible game on Monday Night Football against the Ravens, they've just been playing well. They've suffered tragedy through tragedy this season, and they've managed to get, get their head, get back up every time. Derek Carr has taken a huge step forward this season, and I'm excited to see what they can do. Patriots just demolished the Falcons on Thursday night football. And it, it's a little bit surreal when you think about just basically our entire childhood. The Patriots have been the pinnacle of a sports franchise with Tom Brady and, and just thinking of having to go through that. Even a third of what they had with Tom Brady with Mac Jones is Stuff that nightmares are fueled of. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Like, I was I was doing research for my episode today, and like, I was looking at that Thursday night game and and the Browns game, and I was just like, Mac Jones and that defense have just been on another level. Like, I honestly like an un, like a like a like a dark horse defensive player of the year for me is probably Matt Judon. I've heard he's had like nine point five or ten point five sacks this year. He's been going crazy. And then that secondary has been great, even without Stephon Gilmore now with the Panthers. So I, I just I just think that defense is is like back to that old school, like tough, hard-nosed defense that it's always has been, even with Tom Brady. And then Max Jones has kind of been that predecessor to Tom Brady, if you will. I mean, for the meantime, I mean he could easily dip off, but his his this rookie year for him has been fantastic. Like I like I said in the episode, like I thought that Jamar Chase was gonna be a lock coming into the first seven games, but then Chase kind of faltered a little bit. Uh, Jones kind of made it a little closer. So, I mean, Matt Jones is looking really good. And I, and I thought coming into the season that he was going to fit into that same system of kind of that Alabama Patriots kind of like pedigree. So I, I kind of knew it was going to work out to begin with, but I'm excited to see my predictions being flourished out on the field like that. If you watch the Patriots defense, it's just different than other defenses. They just do stuff differently. They make tap. There's so many plays where maybe the other team throws a screen into open space. Their running back hits a hole, and it's just one defender, the offensive player in open space, and the Patriots defender is able to bring him down and make the tackle. Whereas with other teams, you know, maybe the guy gets free and breaks away for 50 yards or something. The Patriots, they do the little things, and that's why they've been the best team in football for the past 10 years. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And that, and that comes from Bill Belichick too, because he's that kind of guy who 
he's that old school kind of coach who kind of preaches the little things and get and do your job the right way. And I, I think it's kind of rubbing off on the guys and it's been producing for them. Oh yeah. And just the, through the first 10, 11 weeks of the season, what storylines have sicked out? Maybe the rookie quarterbacks we already touched on Matt Jones. What have you seen with Lawrence? What have you seen with Zach Wilson? Just in general. Um, I just, I, I mean, the fact that it's their first year is kind of like, I kind of have to give them some slack a little bit, but they just have not been playing well. Zach Wilson just kind of gets afraid in the pocket these days. Same with Lawrence, but I think it's just them trying to get used to NFL defense, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if they flourish and we'll see if Mel Kuyper is right on him being like the best like quarterback he's ever graded since LA and Peyton Manning. So we'll see what happens with them. I mean, if you look at a guy like Justin Fields, I was, I was going crazy for him. I thought he was going to have a great year this year. Cause like if you if you saw that quote from Daryl or Darnell Mooney at the begin at like the in the offseason in training camp, he was like mid route. I was smiling as I was catching the ball. Like you don't you don't you don't say anything about like like a caliber guy like that. So I thought Justin Fields was going to be on this upper echelon of good rookies this year, but he has not been playing well at all. I I, I think the only rookie quarterback that you could say had a good year was probably Mac Jones. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields and Lawrence and Wilson come back in next year, next couple of years, and flourish like we said they would. I think I think it's just the fact that they're trying to get used to NFL defense, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I think if you put any of the other rookie quarterbacks onto the Patriots, I think they're going to perform just like Mac Jones is because he's not doing anything crazy. He's making the checkdowns, he's making the simple throws, but. If, if you're a Jets fan right now, I'm going to give you a little bit of hope because I know it's been a while since Jet fans have had any resemblance of hope. Yeah. Tough, tough couple sure. years to be a Jets fan. Sure. But sure. if you're Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, you'd much rather have Zach Wilson be able to make the crazy plays and struggle with the simple throws than mm-hmm. be able to make the simple throws and not be able to make the special plays. You can yeah, work with the- that. You can teach a guy to hit, hit the running backs in the check down, hit the wide receivers on the slants. You can teach a guy to do that. Now, will they be able to do that? I have no idea. Will Zach Wilson turn out to be a good NFL quarterback? I have no idea. But there have been, there have been some flashes, not as much as you'd like to see, but he's not, you know, there's still time, still hope yeah. left with Zach Wilson. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, that's, and that, is, that applies to Lawrence and Fields and the rest of them as well, so. Absolutely. And let's let's transition now to some basketball. Your son's just on fire. What is this? Have they won 10 in a row? 11 in uh, a row? Now they won 12 in a row. They won 12 in a row? I mean, oh my no, no, God. No, 11, 11, my bad, 11. 11. They've been on fire. The Knicks have not been playing as well. Just what, what have been your thoughts of the early NBA season so far? I mean, I, I don't think you mentioned this yet, but the Warriors have been just oh, unreal yeah. with the fact that, like, Curry's turning the clock back like he's a friggin' time machine, dude, trying to, like, go back to his 2015-2016 day. He's uh, so good. Years. He's been crazy. He's been shooting the lights out of the arena like he always has been. And, like, the fact that, like, Jordan Poole's going to be a probably a most improved player this year. I mean, Gary Payne the second is dunking on people's heads all over the place. Like, like this, like this team has so much depth. And if, and if Clay Thompson comes back and is anything like he was when he, before he got injured, like the Warriors could be championship contenders. Once again, I would not be surprised about that. The hype with Steph Curry started 
I don't know, when we were 11 years old, 10 years yeah, old, maybe. 10, yeah. That was probably the peak where, you know, Stephen A. Smith was saying he's better than, he's the best player in basketball and all these things. And it's kind of died down in the past two years where, you know, he's not mentioned in the same breath as a Kevin Durant or the other top two, three, five best players in basketball. And it's just, it's fun to see he is not faltered at all. He is the exact same player he was four, five years ago, and he can still get it done. He plays hard on both sides of the ball and his shooting, man. There's, there's no one that's ever going to beat it. Yeah. I just, I, I, I have a funny story about that. Cause like he, he was the one who really got me into basketball and so much so that I had a, a, a Steph Curry fat head, you know, those like little big mm, cutouts. Yeah. I had that on my wall when I was little and he just, he just had such a big impact on me. Like the fact that he could shoot from anywhere and still like swish it without even touching the rim. It's just, it's just like from other world. Like I say, like the dude's from Krypton and he has no kryptonite. Like this dude is incredible. He's so good. I, yeah, and then also another team that I want to point out is the Chicago Bulls because I want I like I like I thought they were going to be a top three team and they are proving me right. And like one thing I want to point out about the Bulls here is that like I don't understand this hate on Demar Derozan. He's always been a good player. I don't understand why. Has maybe been. it's because he's on the Spurs. Like maybe Popovich didn't work out. Maybe they moved the power forward. It wasn't the right move. But the fact that he's on the Bulls and producing the way he has been the past like what 15, 16 games is he, he's been turning turning back the clock the Raptors days. And then Vucevic Caruso has been a lockdown defensive guy. He might win defensive player of the year with how he locked up the Nuggets last night or two nights ago, if you're watching this. Um, it's just, and then Levine is just that dude. And then Lonzo Ball is just shooting from everywhere like Curry is. So if those five guys are on the floor with other guys surrounding them, like Derek Jones Jr., Kobe White, and Ayo Dusunmu, those guys could like literally win a championship. Like, like those guys to me are, are championship winners this year. Because I just feel like they're the most like, complete team in the whole in the whole basketball this year so my co-host who unfortunately is not able to be here today but he is a diehard Chicago Bulls fan so there has been a lot of Chicago Bulls talk on this podcast Caruso and Lonzo Ball because you know we hear about DeRozan we hear about Vucevic Zach Levine that big three but Caruso and Lonzo Ball are underrated acquisitions that they made this offseason and they've just been so good defensively and have really shaped the Bulls into that well-rounded team that is a legitimate playoff contender now. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch them. Yeah, rest of the definitely, season. definitely. So, you know, we're wrapping things up here. I'm going to give you some time to talk about the Suns. Just anything you want to talk about the Suns. Oh, my God. I'm so, so happy that the it's, Suns it's my, so well. It's your <laughs> gift from me. It's, you know, thank you, Gift, for coming on. Yes, sir. 30 seconds on the Suns. Let's hear it. All right. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they're just that dude. Like, they're going to be all-stars this year. The commissioner doesn't have to put Booker in this year. He's going to be a legit all-star. Mikael Bridges, he might win the defensive player of the year. I might be bugging a little bit, but Mikael <laughs> Bridges is just that dude. He could guard one through five easily. Uh, who else? Jay Crowder can shoot it. DA, hopefully he gets that contract. DeAndre Aiden, I'm mentioning Hopefully he gets that contract next year. Like it's going to be crazy. I I mean, I don't really like the fact that the Sarver investigation is kind of clouding our heads right now, but we'll figure that out as we go. We're still chugging along. We're not worrying about that. We're just keep rolling. 
I'm so excited to see what this team does. We, hopefully we win a championship this year. I'm ready for it. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. I'm not ready for the Milwaukee Bucks to win like they did last year. I'm not about to go through that mental strain again. Give me a championship this year, sons. Come on, let's go. So have you have you had any championships in your lifetime? I, I won't say in your lifetime, but since you've become like super locked in on sports. Um, I don't think I have, to be completely honest with you. I don't I don't think so. No, I don't think I have a Oh nine for me. Like, you know, I was a Yankees fan, but I wasn't locked in the way I am now. I'm not watching every Yankees game I can. I'm yeah. not thinking about the Yankees 24-7. Like now, I would say the Giants last Super Bowl, I would I, you know, I was aware of what was going on. I wasn't like eight years old, but I, I still for me and my fandom, there's the Yankees and there's everybody else. So hopefully in the next couple of years, we're able to get a ring, but we'll see Rome. I thank you for coming on and just any last words you want to say. I just want to say thank you, man, for having me on. Hey, everyone check out House of Bars podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. My two Instagrams are at House of Bars, same name of the podcast. A personal account, Rome Jacob One. If you want to see where I am as a person, go follow me on that too. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm him, man. We, we just did this, man. I'm excited. It was a lot of fun, man. Thank you for having me on. Definitely check out House of Ballers Instagram because Rome is just an absolute content machine, and it's <laughs> it's such a good Instagram follow because Thank it's all it. Instagram stories, and it's just it's great. He's posting so many <laughs> highlights and everything. Check that out. Check out the House of Ballers podcast. Super excited to see what Rome has coming up in the near future. Unfortunately, this ends our time today on Chatter from the Cheap Seats. You guys can follow us on Instagram at Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Pretty simple name. Please leave a rating, five-star rating, and review on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you guys next time on Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Peace, guys.